Welcome to another podcast, another Women Prayer Group podcast. My name is Ruth Akintunde, and today we'll be starting a new series. It's the Women in the Bible and their Antipodes series. So what does Antipode mean? That's a new English. <laughs> okay, so Antipode is, means the direct opposite of something else. The direct opposite of something else. From reading the Bible, I've discovered that whenever the Bible talks about women in the Bible or women in particular, there are always other women around them. Some did opposite of what a particular woman did, and some did some actually collaborated with the other woman to achieve a purpose. So I have some examples here. For example, Sarah and Hagar and Lot's wife. These are three women around the same periods. Sarah, Hagar, Lot's wife. Sarah was the one in God's plan. And Hagar was the one not in God's plan. And Lot's wife was just very... It was something different entirely. We'll also see Rebecca. We'll see we'll see Rachel and Leah. Rachel and Leah were sisters who got married to Jacob. We'll see the roles they both played in the plan of God. We would also see Deborah and Jael. Jael was instrumental in destroying Caesarea. We'll also see Ruth and Opper. Opa was. Opa refused to follow. Opa did not follow Naomi, but Ruth went with Naomi to Israel. We would see Esther and Vashti. Esther was humble, was respectful, was godly, while Vashti was the opposite. We would see Mary. The women around Mary's time were in like minds. They were godly women as well. Elizabeth and Hannah would see Hannah and Penina. Penina was the turn in Hannah's flesh, tormenting her when she couldn't have a child. We will also discuss Rahab. And God will help us to dissect his word and learn from his word. Today we'll be studying Esther and a antipode is Vashti. So we'll be pointing out what made this the good woman acceptable to God and we'll also be pointing out what made the other women, the opposite women, rejected by God and we'll pray that God will remove every trait that is in line or traits that is similar to the evil traits that these women exhibited and we pray that god will shell them out from us and god would help us hone on the good traits 
We'll be reading Esther. We'll be starting with Esther and Vashti. We'll be reading Esther chapter 1, and we'll start right now. Verse 1 says, This is what happened during the time of Xerxes. The Xerxes who ruled over 127 provinces stretching from India to Kush. Verse 2 says, At that time, King Xerxes reigned from his royal throne in the citadel of Susa. And in the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials. The military leaders of Peshur and Media, the princes and the nobles of the provinces were present. For a full 180 days, he displays the it displayed the vast wealth of his kingdom and the splendor and glory of his majesty. When these days were over, the king gave a banquet, another banquet, lasting seven days in the enclosed garden of the king's palace for all the people from the least to the greatest who were in the citadel of Susa. The garden had hangings of white and blue linen, fastened with cords of white linen and purple material to silver rings and on marble pillars. There were couches of gold and silver on a mosaic pavement of porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and other costly stones. Wine was served in goblets of gold, each one different from the other, and the royal wine was abundant, in keeping with the king's liberalities. By the king's command, each guest was allowed to drink with no restrictions. For the king instructed all the wine stewards to serve each man what he wished. Queen Vashti also gave a banquet mm -hmm, for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. On the seventh day, when King Xerxes was, high, was in high spirits from wine, he commanded the seven eunuchs who served him, Mehuman, Bigtha, Habona, Bigtha, okay, Abagtha, Zetha, and Karkas, to bring before him Queen Vashti, wearing a royal crown, in order to display her beauty, to the people and nobles for she was lovely to look at mm. but when the attendants delivered the king's command queen vashti refused to come then the king became furious and burned with anger verse 13 says since it was customary for the king to consult experts in matters of law and justice he spoke with the wise men who understood the times and were closest to the king. The wise men were Kashina, Shether, Admathar, Thashish, Merez, Marsena, and Memuken, the seven nobles of Persia and Media, who had special access to the king and were in and were highest in the kingdom. According to law, what must be done to Queen Vashti? He asked. She has not obeyed the command of King Xerxes that the eunuchs have taken to her. Then Memukan replied in the presence of the king and the nobles, Queen Vashti has done wrong. 
not only against the king, but also against all the nobles and the people of all the provinces of King Xerxes. For the king's conduct will become known to all the women, and so they will despise their husbands and say, Hmm, King Xerxes commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him. You know what? She would not come. This very day, the patient and medium women of the nobility who have heard about the queen's conduct will respond to all the king's nobles in the same way. There will be no end of disrespect and discord. Therefore, if it pleases the king, let him issue a royal decree and let it be written in the laws of Pesher and Media, which cannot be repealed, that Vashti is never again to enter the presence of King Xerxes. And let also let the king give a royal position to someone else who is better than she. Twenty says, then when the king's edict is proclaimed throughout all his vast realm, all the women will respect their husbands from the least to the greatest. The king and his nobles were pleased with this advice, so the king did as Memucan proposed. He sent dispatches to all parts of the kingdom, to each province in its own script, and to each people in their own language, proclaiming that every man should be ruler over his own household using his native tongue. This is all the 22 verses of chapter 1 of Esther. May God help us as we dig into his word and understand what he wants us to know by adding this story to the Bible. Um, from verse 1 to 7, we can see that um, the king was very happy. He threw a party. He threw two parties. The first party was a banquet for his nobles and officials. And for 180 days, he displayed his, well, his wealth. And the second party was for everyone in the kingdom. And we also noticed that Queen Vashti threw a banquet for the women as well. And for me, to me, this is setting an example so she brought the women together and she threw a party for the women. And the truth is that when you are in a gathering of people, the wife of the president is an example that everybody should um, learn from. And we read verses, the, the verses we read included verses 11 to 14 where the king instructed his eunuchs to ask Vashti to come before him to display a beauty because she was really beautiful and so she refused to go setting an example for the women which she gathered for her own private banquet she refused to go she disobeyed her husband and if the women are to learn from that example, they would also disobey their own husbands. So that makes me wonder what, what was the theme of their banquet. 
I'm almost too sure it was women empowerment and feminism and women um, independence, ETC. Because if it was women obey your husband, submit to your husbands, she would not respond in that way if that was what our aura was, if that was what our character was, she would um, not respond in that way. But let's let's look deep deeper into it. Let's take a look at what um, the king Zexis asked Vashi to do. He asked her to come and display her beauty wearing a royal crown to his friends. That makes me think about a verse or a part of the Bible in Matthew 14 verse 6 to 7. Let's read it together and then I'll give a summary of what I'm trying to say. But when Herod's birthday came, the daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod. So, oh, sorry. So that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. So let me stop there because this is the point I'm trying to make. This is a thing with the kings. When they're excited and they are, when they throw a party and they're excited, they call someone beautiful to come and dance and display the beauty. So that is how it happens. Because based on this verse we just read, it happened in the New Testament. Herod called um, the daughter of the queen to come and display her beauty. So we can see that Vashti did not want to do this. She did not want to do this. She just did not want to do it, and then she refused to do it. This um, command is in two folds. It's a command from her husband and also a command from, for, from the king. And she refused both commands. She disobeyed both commands. The, the thing that um, baffled me here is that the king did not even know what to do. He was embarrassed by her reply. He was merry. He and his friends were merry. And, oh, this happens a lot. Let's call the queen to come and show us her beauty and dance around wearing a royal crown. And... She said no. In verse 15, the king asked, according to the law, this is disobedience, right? He was asking his fellow eunuchs, like, um, his fellow advisors, what's happening? I, I, I think I'm the king, right? <laughs> why, why did Vashti, why did what, what must be done to Vashti? I think I'm, I'm allowed to actually ask her to come and dance and show her beauty to the nobles. Uh, what must be done according to the law? She has disobeyed the king's order. What must be done to her? And then, according to the history and what must be done to her, one of the advisors said she has to be kicked out of the palace. There is no justification for what Vashi did. According to verse six, 16, this is the gravity of what she did. What she did was wrong. She did not obey the commands of the king. Neither did she obey the commands of her husband. Also, she did not set a good example to other women in the kingdom. She was a bad example. 
Vashti disgraced her husband in the sight of those people watching, really. Because um, it's one thing for you to leave the party you're throwing and say, excuse me, my husband's calling me, and then go attend to him and, and tell him, King, live forever. I cannot come and dance. I need to be in my party. That's one thing. And it's another thing for you to just tell the servants that I am not coming. Go to hell. Go do your worst. I am not coming. That is a big sign. She's trying to um, she's trying to do something. She's trying to show something. She's trying to make a point. She's trying to prove a point by not coming at all. And so in Proverbs 12, let's let's read Proverbs 12, 4. There's a verse that came to my mind when I was reading this. It says that an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. Um, from King Zex's reaction, he didn't even know what to do. He was like, what must be done to this? I, I know this is not normal. This is, I asked my wife to come and dance and then she says, or to come and show her beauty, display her beauty. I don't know how they do it in those days, but from what, what we read, it's just a display her beauty wearing the royal crown. And then she says, no, I know this must be wrong. This is like a disgrace. So the Bible says that an excellent wife is a crown to a husband, but she who brings shame is like rottenness in his bones. And if we also read Colossians 3 verse 18, it says that wives submit yourself to your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Submit yourself to your own husbands. And I would like you to read my blog post on feminism it's is the title is redefining feminism and the thing is that what in this day and age in the definition of this um world's definition of feminism vashti was actually right because um you can boss a modern day feminist around and tell her to do what she doesn't want to do really that is how it is feminism I got an excerpt from a popular feminist who was recently labeled as the original feminist. And she defines feminism as an act of women not giving space to the necessity of men. <laughs> she, says, she says, women don't need men. So uh, from Vashti's actions, she, she shows us that she desires to be head alongside her husband. And was not ready to submit to him. She did not join him. The first thing I actually um, noticed about this. Is that she did not even join him to, in his own banquet for Christ's sake. She threw her own banquet. She showed she didn't need him. And the result was a divorce really. The thing is that God knows that we are two different human beings. And we have different characters. And we have our own pride. But even in organizations, they have a CEO, right? And that is how they move forward. You have somebody that makes the final decision or else no decision will be made or else there will be chaos. And it's the Bible is giving the upper hand to the man to make this final decision. It's giving the upper hand to the man to have the respect, right? And we have the love. 
and respect and love works together to make a happy home. But if you do not follow the order of the person that instituted marriage, it's going to break. If you don't follow this order that God has placed, the marriage is going to break. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter against them. That's what um, Colossians 3.19 says. And wives, submit to your husbands as it's fitting to the Lord. That is what, that's what God, that's how God made it. So when you read my blog, blog post, you can go and check it out. Um, when you go to womenprayergroup.com no slash no dashes or hyphens or dots it's just w-o-m-e-n-p-r-a-y-e-r-g-r-o-u-p.com womenprayergroup.com and click on blog posts blog posts not blog posts sorry <laughs> blog posts you would see um you would see the blog the blog post that i i i did some months ago or weeks ago that talks about redefining feminism and you see what God has used me to write there and that is how that is if we want to even talk about feminism at all that is what God wants it to be um so leading a, a definition or providing the definition of feminism that involves the fact that women should not give space to the necessity of men. That is the theory of the devil, really. Because um, this is actually the root of divorce, div divorce in families and separation of families. Are you trying to say your children does not need a father figure? It is so evident that the black community still suffers from lack of a father figure today. Uh, due to the mass incarceration of black males since the, before the 1980s, actually. So men are actually required as fathers and as husbands for Christ's sakes. Men are required. And we have to rewrite the definition of whatever you call feminism. Imagine an organization without a leader. God doesn't want the family which he instituted to be without order or without a leader. So an organization has a CEO which everyone respects and obeys his final decision. Even if he tries to be a good leader and listens to other people's opinions or he tries to be a bad leader and only his own decision stands. He is the leader. And that is how organization move forward by having someone that is accountable that makes the final decision after hearing other people's opinion and then does it and not chaos. Two people cannot drive or vehicle. So also the wife has to submit, obey the husband in everything, or else you'll lose your place in the marriage like Vashti. You'll lose your place in the marriage like Vashti. Uh, during our women prayer group last week, Saturday, we discussed this um, chapter. In fact, it was like we had to take the question home. Okay, that was um, last month. And last week, Saturday, we trashed out the question um the question was should should the wife obey the husband in everything we read ephesians chapter 5 verse 22 to 33 a whole 10 verses talking about 
women obeying and respecting and submitting to the husband in everything like whatever it tells you just do think about it that is scary like the bible says obey your husband in everything submit to what he says in everything that is quite scary so it just makes us think that it's important that whoever we agree to marry should have the fear of god so that we will not end up obeying him and in the process we do what is contrary to god's will in fact that should be part of the questions um asked in courtship we ought to pose the question and say hey dude god says as a wife i should submit to your final decision and obey you i'd like to know that at no point will you ask me to do something contrary to god's commands uh these are questions you should ask because god is our first husband and we have to obey him first and so your husband should not tell you to do something contrary to what god has in his commands what god's plan is but in every other situation when you are to make a decision you can voice out your opinion that is right voice out your opinion but when your husband says okay this is how we should do this thing just obey and god will take control just do god's will in your marriage just do god's will in your home with this modern days definition of feminism vashti was a feminist that's why we need to redefine feminism she despised her husband and once the women she wanted the women which she threw a banquet for to also do the same despise their husbands and in fact the advice that the um the advisor gave to the king was actually the mind of god because he says that um he, in verse 22 he says he sends dispatches to all parts of the kingdom to each province in its own script and to each people in their own language proclaiming that every man should be ruler over his own household using his native tongue so every man should be in charge of his own household and the woman has a great place trust me um she does actually most of the work even though it looks like the man is the ruler and everything if you read proverbs 31 if you if you watch our podcast too you'd see that even though on on the surface it looks like okay the man is the ceo actually the woman is actually doing the ruling because she organizes everything and she knows about everything so she's in the background and she's doing most of the work i pray god will help us to see a place in our marriages in jesus name Praise the Lord we've come to the end of this podcast and I'd like us to take a sneak peek at Esther chapter 2 verse 20 it says it's just a sneak peek to see Esther's personality it's so wonderful check it out it says Esther 220 but Esther had kept the secrets sorry but Esther I'm so excited but Esther had kept secret a family background and nationality just as Mordecai had told her to for she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions as she had done when he was bringing her up hmm. she continued to respect Mordecai even when she was older that's so cool that's so cool 
it shows humility it shows respect it shows a good character and we'll be studying that in podcast four so get ready and i'd like you to actually read the chapter esther chapter two before listening to the podcast so that you can be blessed by it as you read so you have like god has spoken some things to your heart about the podcast before and then you reading it would confirm other things and i pray god helps us till we come your way again we love you stay blessed